how many people are dying. For me, it's, it, it, it was always the crisis. COVID just made everything worse. People need uh, electricity, they need power now. So you can't tell them, okay, you have it in five years. We have to find solutions. There are those that say the gas is a bridging fuel. This is a bridge to nowhere. Hello, this is The Lid Is On, the flagship podcast from UN News here in a still noisy media centre in Glasgow on day four. Is it day four already? Yes, today is Wednesday. Yes, it's day four. Today's Thursday, <laughs> Lara. That was Lara Conez. Today's Thursday. Then it's day five. Already. <laughs> it's day five then. Two days of World Leaders Summit. Mm-hmm. Then we had the Finance Day yesterday. Yes. And today is Energy Day. Yes, but the official opening was on Sunday, which means it's the fifth day. It's the fourth or fifth day. Let's agree <laughs> on that. So the question is, is the dream of a clean, universal energy future getting closer to becoming a reality? Some people here certainly think so. And we also had a reminder that energy is not just about electricity. Millions are getting sick or are dying because of the fuels they use to cook. That's all coming up in today's show and also we'll have the sound of the day, which is a particularly energetic sound of the day. Hmm. Well, let's start with what was happening in the blue zone. This is the zone where you get all of the ministers, the dignitaries, the senior UN leaders and more. And today the news was that more than 40 countries have agreed to phase out their use of coal-fired power, which is, of course, the dirtiest of fuel sources. Lara, you were following that. What did you pick out? Exactly what you just said. And some of the countries will have to phase out the use of coal by 2030. That's Those are the ones who are admitting more? Yes, like the big economies. And then uh, by 2040, it should end in the other countries. Although uh, many NGOs were actually present today here at the Blue Zone, and they weren't really too happy about this announcement because they said that it's not only about coal, but also about gas and oil. And they didn't hear many commitments about that. However, some of the world's biggest coal-emitting economies weren't involved in this deal. Uh, Yes, uh, India, Australia, the United States uh, weren't involved in this deal. We heard from Grenadian Minister of Health Nicholas Steele. He was speaking this morning. He explained why getting rid of coal and moving to renewables as soon as possible is so important. As a small island developing state in the Caribbean, which neither produces nor consumes coal, you may ask, who am I to add my voice to this conversation? The answer is a simple one. The single most impactful intervention we can implement today to significantly bend the curve to a 1.5 pathway This is why we must consign coal to history. There are those that say we should transition to gas and that gas is a bridging fuel. This is a bridge to nowhere. Gas needs to peak now and begin a rapid decline. We have much cheaper and cleaner alternatives in the form of renewable energy and storage and green hydrogen is coming. Fossil fuel subsidies are propping up coal and gas. What a wasted opportunity when you consider the renewables that could be rolling out with that money. 
and the jobs that come with it. Speaking as a small voice from a small island, even more creative solutions are needed than those currently on the table. What is required is unprecedented levels of cooperation and genuine resolve between those in the G20, individually and collectively. The future of countries like mine depend on whether or not coal seams around the world are left as they are. And this is why Grenada lends its support to the Clean Energy Transition Initiative and commends today's launch of the Just Transition Declaration. For my island, it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to leapfrog the energy systems of our grandparents to create a new energy system that is fit for our children. So gas as a so-called bridging fuel is, says Minister Steele from Grenada, a bridge to nowhere. And he was calling for a speedy, just transition to renewables and for cooperation from the world's richest economies. Now, before COP26, there were already lots of energy announcements made in September. There was a big UN energy event. You may remember that one, Laura, the high-level dialogue for energy. Yes, September. I was all over that. I did a live blog for that one, I remember. Yeah, I remember. And it was very, very interesting. Lots of commitments were made then. The UN chief, Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General, he outlined plenty of priorities for a sustainable energy future, such as cutting in half the number of people who don't have electricity by 2025, shifting to clean energy sources, which we already heard is a big theme here today, and achieving universal energy access by 2030. This is the Sustainable Development Goal 7, which is a commitment to achieve clean and reliable energy by 2030. Plenty of commitments made then. So I spoke to Damalola Ogunbi today. She was speaking again this morning at the panel. You heard her speech, Lara. Yeah, she was there and she was advocating for this transition to the green energy, echoing the words of the Secretary General. Yes, she's the Secretary General's Special Representative for Sustainable Energy and she's also the head of SE for All, which is an autonomous UN-linked organization, full name Sustainable Energy for All. We started by talking about something called clean cooking. Now, this is an unsung solution. It really should get more attention given its importance. Clean cooking is basically getting women cleaner sources of energy um, to to be able to cook that is not um, firewood, which you know causes a huge amount of deforestation, but is also responsible for a huge amount of gender-based violence as well. Um, and it's not um, so it's not charcoal, it's not um, you know kerosene and all these type of harmful fuels using better fuels and sometimes even renewable fuels to get women, um, you know, to have the adequate um, amount of energy they need to cook. It also saves women time, you know, on average it saves about five hours a day. Um, And could you explain what you mean by the gender-based violence that's associated with that? Unfortunately, we've seen in um, some um, communities that, you know, just going out to collect firewood you're one in seven times more likely to be raped or or have some type of sexual abuse tied towards you. And, you know, and some of some really horrible stats is, you know, even within your household, um, you might be one in four times likely to have a violent attack if food is not ready on time. 
So this, these are really, really important statistics. Apart from all the fumes you inhale, apart from how unhealthy it is, it's also one of the largest causes of. Um, it's also one. Sorry, one of the largest causes of fires. <laughs> because you're you're lighting up a fire to to um to with you know charcoal and things like that so the, you know it's it's terrible all the way around and i'm hoping at this conference specifically we show that clean cooking really needs to be up there with electrification with climate as as an emergency and given the impact given the importance it seems it doesn't get much media coverage does it clean cooking not at all and that's why um as you might know at the high level dialogue on energy which happened in Ongar this year there was a specific focus on clean cooking i remember yeah it was talked about a lot there and do you think that message is getting through it is but a lot more still needs to be done we need to use uh, mediums like the one i have here with you and just explain to people and understand that it's not a just like SDG 7 it's not an inconvenience it's a matter of life and death for billions of people and it's not something we should take lightly at all we really need to raise people's ambition we have to make sure that people just realize that this we're really a critical point you know the 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 climate transition in in continents like Africa is actually the energy transition you can't have one without the other. So it's just important that, you know, we get coordinated and then, and it works. And the other thing gets talked about a lot is a just transition. Um, we, you know, we're talking a lot about the transition in, in richer countries, but of course the whole world needs to transition. Uh, what does a just transition mean to you? Currently in Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, if you take away South Africa, there's about 81 gigawatts installed. That's the same amount of power as Germany for an entire continent of 1 billion people. So for me, born black African, I'm already at a 20 time disadvantage than anybody else in the world. And I even have electricity. So even when we're talking about a just transition, there's there continents that need more energy instead of less energy. What we should be saying is, how do we make sure that energy is clean? And we're not doing what we're doing now in the global north, getting to a kind of a plateau in terms of our energy needs and then having to transition. For me, it's, it's an amazing opportunity to actually just start off in the right way. But you can only do that with financing, and the financing is not there. You recognize what we're going through with 100 billion already and that's just on climate overall and we know that's not really enough anyway that is and not we're, enough we're not, anyway we're not so that's target. not even specific energy at all so it's 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 very very critical right now and um that's why we're here we need to get people to raise ambition but it's not about a conference alone it's of what happens the day after the conference and how do we translate everything that's gone on here to actions on ground what do you want to achieve from this what's a successful conference for you having energy access and SDG 7 as part of the climate conversation is success for me and also having countries explain to us how they're going to support the cause. Um, that is also a success to me. Um, I think that's what keeps me you know, awake in the morning. That's why I moved relocated continents because it's just so important. Um, and, and also just having people understand how many people are dying from not having this 
of no fault of their own. It's, it's you know, for me, it's it, it, it was always the crisis. COVID just made everything worse because, you know, even vaccine rollouts, if you only have 25% of your primary healthcare centers actually with electrification, how are you going to provide vaccines? So cold chains, it affects everything that we do. Um, and energy is one of the SDGs that if it's not resolved by 2030, a lot of other SDGs cannot happen. Um, so, yeah, just have to keep going, put a smile on, and, um, yeah, just make sure people really realize, take action. And like I said, it's the day after. It's like, what, 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 is this, what does this all mean that I'm, I'm really looking forward to? Well, stay healthy <laughs> next two weeks. Stay motivated. You sound very motivated, which is great. And, uh, and I hope it all works out and for please you. Please come and have another coffee with I us. Will, oh, yes. Right? Thank God for the coffee here. That's great. Thanks for that. Really appreciate <laughs> we that. We need a coffee. <laughs> that was Damilola Ogunbi singing the praises of a non-stop supply of coffee during COP26 and clean cooking. A reminder that it's not all about high-tech solutions. Just having clean cooking alternatives could transform people's lives and save thousands of deaths. Now, more than a billion people worldwide have no access to energy. Most of them are in sub-Saharan Africa. In the Green Zone this morning, I sat in on a panel about off-grid access. And afterwards, I spoke to one of the speakers, Sina Lawson, Togo's Minister of Digital Economy and Digital Transformation. She's working with the private sector to get more of her population connected to electricity. A lot of people in Togo, you know, half of the population uh, lives below the poverty line. So, and you can imagine that when you are in the rural, you know, in rural areas, you don't have access to, uh, to power. Clearly, you want to move beyond a development model towards yeah. a market model where people can afford to pay for this energy mm. as well. Is that a big challenge for you? It is, but um, so, so there are two things that we need to do. In the market model, it can't be just um, a market with, with, without public intervention. What we need to do and what we are doing in Togo right now is that we work with the private sector because we believe in them serving, but we need to also be there to provide subsidies to those who uh, can afford you know, consumption the least. But now when you talk about subsidies, you, know, you have to make sure that what you do makes sense. And that, so we want to have a targeted approach. We, we want to use uh, data collected by companies to be able to just provide a sufficient amount of money for people to, to be able to, um, to pay for whatever bills they have. So the approach that we had was that we used data collected by uh, solar systems uh, companies and what we did was that every month they were able to give us the, 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 the names and phone numbers of people who would have difficulties in paying for the bills. And we as government stepped, you know, we, we, we came in and we said we're going to be supporting these people because now we have, we know we have the data that they can, they can, they, they need, uh, and it's not, it's no big deal. It was not a lot of money for per individual. It was approximately four dollars per month that they needed, and we were able to supply just that. 
And are these people who, under a traditional energy system, would never have had the chance to be connected to a national electricity grid? No, because they were too far away and it would have cost a lot of money. So, you know, in terms of maybe one day, but people need uh, electricity, they need power now. So you can't tell them, okay, you have it in five years. We have to find solutions for now. The other thing is that we believe that's the, the, the right thing to do. That's, the, that's how things are going to be uh, evolving. We need decentralized power um, systems. So, so, so it also works with where the world is moving towards. Sina Lawson, Togo's Minister of Digital Economy and Digital Transformation. You heard her talking about solar-based solutions and tools that can get people connected to clean, low-cost electricity without the need to build an expensive grid to reach the poorest citizens in the most remote regions. One of the companies making these tools is Bbox. Earlier I spoke to their CEO, Mansour Hamayun. He explained what his kit does and why he's promoting it in countries with low levels of electricity access and high levels of poverty. Yeah, so it's a battery um, with, uh, with an IoT meter inside it, so it's connected to, to the cloud. That's uh, Internet of Things, right? Internet of Things, right? So it's, imagine it's like, like a smartphone inside a battery, right? So we can have a remote control of the battery, we can see what the battery is doing, etc. The battery is connected to a solar panel on a customer's roof and connected to a range of appliances, right? So that battery, and when people pay using mobile money, so digital money, the system turns on. When they don't pay, it turns off. And, and, and we see all the consumer behavior, like we're switching all of light bulbs, etc., and, and, and appliances. And we also see the payment data as well. So, and then because we have lots of customers in the surrounding as well, we also see the community behavior as well. So by using all of that data, we get a very rich, 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 rich insight into who is our customer, right? What is their life today? And how, what is the next product and service they might need to be able to actually get to, to, to the next level of their life? At the UN, we have lots of development projects similar to this, but you're a private company. You know, you want this to be a business. How can you make money from this? How can people that you're targeting pay for this? A lot of them don't have very much money. I think that the truth here is like all businesses, especially in the energy transition space, this, this, the end goal is something that we share between governments and private sector, as, as society, that we want to end energy poverty, we want to do energy transition. And the truth is that transition cannot happen alone. It has to happen in partnership with government, right? Um, and to set the right policies in place. So the, where the governments can help is really to create affordability, right? The right policy, the right taxation, etc., the right incentives to, for, for, for private money to come in. So the private money can then leverage on public investments that already been done, right? And to make, from a private sector perspective, is to make sure that the conditions are right, that, that investments like in Burkina Faso or Nigeria or in Togo, that we can convince people, right, that these are places where the energy revolution is happening today, right? And we need to be part of that growth story. And, and that's, that's the interplay that needs to be done. So I, I think the only way to solve the SDGs is a, is, a, is a partnership between the private sector and the public sector. It's impossible otherwise for most of the SDGs. Well, you mentioned the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, the UN's blueprint for a, for a clean, sustainable future. SDG 7, which you mentioned, is the goal for clean energy access for all, like all people around the world. Do you think it's possible? I mean, the opposite is horrible, right? <laughs> which is that uh, one third of mankind not having access to electricity or energy poverty, etc., right? So the opposite is an unacceptable answer. So I think that's the only answer that we as mankind should be willing to pursue, right? And in some ways, because 
And it's a really hard one, right? Especially the clean element, right? It's not just having energy for all, but it's having enough energy for all, having that in a clean way, right? But what's exciting about SDG 7 in particular is that if you solve the problem of energy access, you're also solving a lot of other SDGs at the same time, right? Or you have a, a significant influence of like gender equality. You have, so it's one that you can, it has a lot of bang for the buck, quite literally speaking. So I think that's is why I'm glad that there's extra attention. One of the SDGs where the extra attention is being paid on is SDG 7. And the fact that we're having this conversation here today about this topic is really, really positive here at COP. Mansour Hamayoun, the CEO of Bbox, a technology company making solar-powered electricity kits, the kind of solution that, with government support, can help to bring clean power to the billion-odd people who still live without electricity. And if you're interested in this subject, you could have a listen to our hit climate action podcast, No Denying It. The very first episode was about a First Nations leader in Canada called Chief Dana Tizia-Tram. His Arctic community, Old Crow, can only be reached by plane, and these planes fly in diesel to fuel generators. But they're now building the largest solar installation in the region, and finally, they'll have access to completely clean energy. It's not the economy that's really holding us back. It's not technology, it's, it's about a narrative. It's about the principles that guide these tools because they work very well at what they, they aim to do. The only reason we're experiencing climate change now it's not because of CO2, it's because we approached the planet with an unbalanced worldview. And so, of course, eventually the world became unbalanced. So if we can take some lessons and teachings from indigenous cultures, if we as individuals can hold a balanced view in our minds, then it's just a matter of time before the world balances as well. Chief Dana Tizia-Tram, the featured voice on our hit climate action podcast, No Denying It. Just Google No Denying It UN to find it wherever you get your podcasts. And Lara, as well as your big story today on energy, you'll also be pulling together the climate newsletter. Any idea of what's going to be in that yet? Um... I see. Okay, well, we'll come back to you tomorrow then. Uh, energy well, presumably yeah we'll we'll have everything related to energy of course the social media moment of the day a video of the day that's related and also many information about other agencies that actually we're publishing today uh, many many things not only related to energy but to climate action Yes, uh, the Adaptation Gap report that's, was out today one. from UN Environment, Correct. Uh, which as ever paints a picture of a huge gap that still mm. needs to be filled. And uh, what's been your highlight today? Any sausage rolls? Uh, no, no sausage rolls. My, my highlight of the day is that I found out that I can actually get out of our office and there is a nice garden where I can see the sunset, which I just did having my sandwich. <laughs> I had no idea. I'll have to find that myself. Yeah. We're looking at a bunch of grey yeah. walls right now. It's with grey chairs, grey tables, and our grey sleep-deprived faces yeah, as well. Yeah, so at least for one minute a day, it's good to be outside. It is. Well, we're going to end with a bit of music. Fear of the Green Planet. That's a reference, Lara, from before your time. No? <laughs> Public Enemy, number one. Fear of the Black... Fear of a black planet? No. no Probably no, weren't even no. born then. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, this is one for older folk, I guess, like me. No so millennials. No millennials. Fear <laughs> of the Green Planet. This is KMT Freedom Teacher. His work is inspired by 15 years of grassroots community eco-solutions. Tomorrow's Youth Day, and that is coinciding with the start of two days of expected mass protests in Glasgow. So join us again tomorrow for that and more. Yeah, 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 yeah.